Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, Adam Roberts. My husband, Craig, uh, who you've gotten used to here in the introductions, is not here with us this week. He's actually in New York working, so it's just me by myself. Um, and so we're not going to do a whole bantery intro because that would be very strange. Um, but my guest this week is one of the most delightful, talented people I know, Rachel Schukert, who's an incredibly gifted writer, producer, actor. I mean, I've never seen her act, but she talks in the podcast about having gone to school for acting, so I'm sure she's good at it. And Rachel is the author of the book, Everything is Going to Be Great, but she's also um, a, a television writer. She wrote for Glow, and she most recently adapted The Babysitter's Club, which many of you probably grew up reading, into a Netflix show that's going to debut this spring, and she was the showrunner for that, which in case you don't know about how TV works, the showrunner is basically the, the head honcho, the person who creates and runs the entire show. Um, so Rachel's an incredible guest. And also Rachel, back in the day, did these hilarious recaps of the show Smash for Vulture, which is New York Magazine's website. And if you haven't read them, you owe yourself um, the treat of going back in time and reading Rachel's smash recaps. So check those out. Um, and so by the time you guys hear this, I will be in Washington State with Craig's family in Bellingham, Washington, uh, celebrating the holidays. So I just want to wish all of you very happy holidays. Um, it's been really fun doing this with you this year, and I'm very grateful for all of you. And um, I have a bunch of episodes that I've recorded for you coming up next week and the week after. Even though Craig and I will be traveling, we'll be in Japan. We're going to Tokyo and Kyoto for New Year's. So so don't worry, I, I won't leave you hanging. Um, and in terms of not leaving people hanging, don't leave me hanging because I could use your help. If you get a chance, go over to Lunch Therapy and Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and then write a little review if you can. You know, it's the season of giving. It's the least you could do. After all I've done for you, I don't mean to make you feel guilty, but you know, you should feel a little guilty. All right, well, happy holidays, everyone. And here is my interview with Rachel Schuker. <laughs> All right, I'm hitting record because that was good. Uh, well, Rachel, it's good to see you here. It's good to see you too. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, I was remembering, you remember that you were um, a guest on my very first podcast? I do. I had just moved to LA like two days before. Yeah. And I really felt like it was a good omen that I, I was new in town, but I was already a sought after <laughs> dinner party guest. You were blowing <laughs> up. Yeah. Well, it was funny. That, that was one, that was a really badly thought out podcast because it was called the Clean Plate Club. Mm. And the premise was, as you know, I had a dinner party. It was delicious. I remember that. Thank I remember you. you made a really memorably good Caesar salad. Oh, wow. You have a good memory. <laughs> but I had a microphone in the middle of the table and the goal was to like capture the, the feel of a dinner party. But all you heard was like knives and Cutlery, forks yeah. on plates. Um, so, but you were a good sport. You were there with Besha Rodell, yes. who was the food critic at the time yes. for the LA Weekly. But um, since then, a lot's happened with you. It's true. And well, that was like six years ago. Almost. Six years ago. Yeah. You, you have a child now. I have a child now. He's so cute. <laughs> His you. name's Theo. His name is Theo. It's short for Theodore. You know, it's so funny. I was at Republique with him. Like, he, this was a wago. So he was maybe like eight or nine months old. And the guy that was working there was like, What's his name? And I was like, Theo, you know? Uh -huh. And he was like, Oh, is that short for Theophilus? <laughs> And I was like, no, That's so <laughs> it's short for Theodore. That was, I was once, you know, I was once when, so I was, when I was getting a cat there, I remember there were like all these cages and this woman said to her husband, she said, oh my God, look at this cat. Her name is Penelope, but it was like Penelope. <laughs> and I thought I was like, 
covering my mouth laughing. That's, I think when I was little, I thought it was pronounced penelope. Penelope? Like to rhyme with cantaloupe. So it's not Theophilus. It's, it's not, not Theophilus. Okay. It's just Theodore. And was he it's named after anyone? He's not exactly. He's he's sort of named after my grandmother, whose name was Doris. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't think of any D names for boys that I really liked a right. lot. And so I was like, well, it, it has like the same root in Greek. You know, it's like ah. door and doors. Like, I love it's that. It's a little bit of a stretch. And then his middle name is Basil, which is my husband's grandfather's name. I love that. Theodore Basil. Who's Basil Rathbone? Did I make he that He was an actor. He was an actor. Yeah, he played Sherlock Holmes. That's what it was. I was yeah. like, that's in my brain somewhere. <laughs> in the, old, the oldest movies of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah, it's like somewhere in the Basil. back of my brain. And of course, there's Basil Exposition from the Austin Powers movies. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like in Judaism, you get away with a lot with like a Hebrew name. Because like my, I'm named after my grandfather, Arthur. Oh, yeah. But my mom it's didn't. It's like the first letter. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the letter. Um, but I was going to say, anyway, about you. So, okay, you've had a child, but you also have been, like, doing incredible work. Yes. It really all kind of happened at the same time. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I mean, I knew you before I met you. Like, I knew you from so many different things. I mean, you wrote hilarious recaps of Smash. Yes. Was that for Vulture? That was for Vulture. And I used to read, yeah. I mean, I thought those were the funniest things. Now I feel like with Cats, the whole world is living through the same experience. <laughs> I know. And I can't believe you haven't seen Cats yet. I haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing it tonight. So it's very exciting. I'm very excited. But um, so you've written now for a couple of television shows? Yes, more than a couple. Um, yeah. I don't... I can't remember how many. <laughs> but you, you, I mean, you worked on Glow, which is I worked great. on Glow. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm working on Glow again now in season four. Oh, amazing! Yeah, we're just we've just sort of started again. We're like a couple months in. But then you're also doing the Babysitters Club. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, I was I was running. I ran the Babysitters Club. Yeah, so I um, got to develop it and and run the show, which was very exciting. It was the first time I've been a showrunner. So. How was that? Um, it's a lot of emails. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly have like, I feel like my biggest takeaway from it is I suddenly have like brand new sympathy for like your showrunner that like doesn't email you back right away when you send them like a script oh, right. or something. And then you like eat your skin off being like, do they like it? Do they like it? <laughs> and I'm like, no, there's just like you walk away for like 15 minutes and then you have like 120 emails that oh, all need God. your attention like immediately. And they're all things like, is this matchbox okay? And right. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that? Like being in such a like... Res- a position where you were so responsible for so many different things. I actually did. Right. Um, and I, I sort of feel also that I'm kind of glad that I, it happened after I had a baby mm-hmm. because I think part of being a mother, it, it's like people talk about multitasking, like that, like multitasking, like parent brain, mm-hmm. but it's less about like doing a zillion things at once than like kind of just the way that you have this, like, you get this, like, automatic triage ability where it's like, what is the most important thing? Like, right. you just sort of prioritize things in a different way. And I think that that, like, new internal neurological organization kind of helped me with show running where I'm like, what is the most urgent thing of these, like, 17 things that I have to do all today, you know? It's so fascinating to hear yeah. that because I was, like, a staff writer and a story editor in a room. And I was – and then one of the first lessons that I learned the hard way is that, like, we would, like, break an episode or something and then I would, like, raise my hand like, hey, I was thinking that maybe this doesn't work, you know? Yeah. And it's like now I understand, like, what showrunners are going <laughs> through. It's like, oh, my God, what an idiot I was. It's just you a know? lot of things at once. Yeah. I mean, this is a little different because it's for Netflix. So I, I feel like sometimes the process of writing for Netflix is, I mean, is it's a little more like writing a movie in that you get more writing time before you start shooting. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you you worked on network shows, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. So like you're very much kind of like writing and shooting and airing all at yeah. the same time. Whereas like this you get, yeah, you just get like a little more time to kind of like butts with things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were definitely still writing into production. I think we had like 
it's like seven scripts complete mm-hmm. out of ten by the time we started shooting. So it was pretty good. Did but you like grow there's up? still a little um, bit of Were you like a big babysitter? Oh my god, yes. Club fan. Yeah, yeah, I love the babysitters club. That's so awesome. I know. It was crazy to suddenly like be responsible for them. <laughs> when when does it come out? In May. Amazing. Well everybody has to it's spring, sometimes spring. I think spring. May, yeah. Well, if you're listening to this, you have to watch The Babysitter's Club on Netflix. <laughs> well, Rachel, so this is um, a food podcast. And I, you know, before we get to your lunch, I was just going to ask you in general what your relationship is to like cooking, eating, food. I'm not much of a cook. Okay. I do love to eat food that other people cook. <laughs> Although I do remember we, Craig and I once came to your house for a dinner party and a very funny it's thing happened. Ben cooked. Oh, the, with a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Your yes. dog ate like a block of cheese. He ate a block of cheese and then he like, <laughs> then he fucked the pillow for like an hour. Yeah. It was really funny because there was this big, like almost, I don't want to say a wheel of cheese, but it was it like. It was a, like a chunk. It was like a, you know, like you go to the, and you go to the cheese store and yeah. buy like a chunk of cheese and then people are supposed to cut pieces off of it. And he yeah. like got the whole thing off the table. Yeah. And we were all concerned. And then he just started getting really horny. Yeah. Which is a fascinating window. It's and so, not a reaction I have to eating that much cheese. No, I have the opposite <laughs> reaction. In fact, like as a 40 year old now, it's literally a choice between like, do I want cheese or do I want to be horny? Right. <laughs> um, but okay. So you don't love love cooking. I don't love cooking. I, I occasionally I'm in the mood to cook, but not very much. I can do it a little, but I I think I don't know. I think I just I lived in New York like a little too long with mm-hmm. like not really like a very pleasurable kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I still don't. I mean, I still like I, we live in this nice little house, but like the kitchen is still kind of small and in general, I just find cooking sort of stressful. <laughs> well, you're also like working like insane hours, I'm yeah, sure. It's not so like you like, want to come it's home. Just, and- I'm not I'm just not it's not like I have, there are other like sort of domestic things that I like to do. Like I really like to knit, mm-hmm. you know, and I like to. Did you knit your sweater? I didn't knit this sweater. It's, no. it's kind of cool. I, I could knit this sweater. Yeah. I mean, I'm a really good knitter. She's wearing a very cool sweater. I guess I should say that because you guys can't see <laughs> unless you look at the picture attached to the podcast. Um, well, I mean, cooking, I mean, you're from, and I know a lot, I mean, because we've known each other, but you're from Omaha, Nebraska. Yes. And so did you grow up in a house with lots of cooking or was food a big part of your childhood? No, uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Boy, we have got an but, hour to kill here. No, no. But um, my grandfather owned a butcher shop and he was very into food. My grandparents were, you know, in a very like sort of like Jewish kind of like, you know, the brisket and the roast mm-hmm. and the whatever. But my grandfather, because he worked kind of in food, not cooking, but like food prep, he used to like yeah. make his own corned beef and he could oh, like amazing. tie like a really elaborate crown roast and things was like that. Was this your mother's father? This is my father's father. Father's father mm-hmm. in Omaha. In Omaha. So like meat is very serious in Omaha, but I was raised vegetarian. Really? Yeah. My parents, um, my parents were vegetarians, so I didn't eat meat until I was like about 20. How did your grandfather react to your father becoming a vegetarian? It feels like a he rebellion. he understood that it was pointed. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that feels very psychological. Maybe yeah. I should have him on as a guest. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he's oh. no longer with us. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's okay. He would be very old. My oh, grandfather would yeah. be, well, he would be 99 this coming year. Oh, so, okay. you know, it's possible, but he ate a lot of red meat. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, inevitably. Well, um, Rachel, I think the time has come to ask mm. you. What, what you, I ate for lunch? Yeah. What did you have for lunch? I haven't eaten my lunch yet, but I did. I'm going to have the other half of this. I have a bagel and lox. <laughs> okay. Well, you are the first guest who actually brought their lunch with them. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I don't either. I ate half of it before my actual therapy appointment, which was this morning. Okay. Um, And then I brought it with me. 
because I just still had it in my bag. So I ate a late <laughs> breakfast and I wasn't hungry. <laughs> yeah, I, I admire that. Well, you know, it's funny because like so far in this podcast, some people feel a lot of it has to do with like how they react to like my imperative that they eat lunch. Like, oh, first, yeah. Well, well, not even an imperative. It's like, I'm like, hey, can you eat lunch and come on? But like some people are like take that very seriously. And in fact, oh, I they have to go eat like a really good lunch. Or, or it's interesting how people react to this idea of like me as an authority figure or just like me telling them to do this thing. And some people are like, they just do what they would do anyway. And some yeah. people make a big deal out of it. That's and I, an interesting sociological experiment. Yeah. And I like that you did what you just wanted. To, I mean, you just you had a leftover bagel. <laughs> you um, decided, you know, you just did what you would normally do. And I don't I think, think I totally understood what I was supposed to do. <laughs> well, here. <laughs> well, okay. I should, I should explain to you. The, the premise of the podcast is that. People come on and say what they have for lunch. <laughs> and we use that as a window to oh, explore their psychology. But there's no legitimate way to go about well, it. We there's... can talk about what I'm going to have for lunch. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> no, just the other half of this, like, big one locks. But already, like, I can already see from the way this already transpired that you're somebody who, like, holds on to yourself and, like, what you're, like, who you are and what you want to do. And, like, I, like, yeah. this podcast didn't, like, interrupt, like, what you were going to do for lunch. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 All right. You have a healthy, <laughs> you have a healthy, like, psychological sense of who you are. I think that's true. Yeah. And I, and I also think I have, like, um, I don't know. I just, I'm like a, I would love to be a person who like treats myself to beautiful meals mm -hmm. and then sometimes I can be, but I just lately I've just been so busy. <laughs> so what hard. is a typical eating day for you? Um, honestly, I eat most of my food at work Okay, because, um, you know, they like, you can order, you order in lunch or whatever, yeah. you know how it is in writer's room, you order in lunch and then there's like snacks. So I feel like I sort of like eat like my lunch and graze kind of ahead of my lunch and after my lunch. And then I'm so busy with Theo usually in the morning, just kind mm -hmm. of like getting him fed and getting dressed and getting out the door and right. dealing with like everything that I kind of don't really eat much breakfast or I eat whatever he leaves, you uh -huh. know, which is like half a piece of toast that he like is wet. Is he, is he, is he a good, oh, that sounds kind of gross. He's such a good eater. Is he a good eater? Yeah. He, oh my God. Yes. He's a great eater. We're very lucky that way. He's not picky. Mm -hmm. He loves to eat. He's not such a breakfast person, actually. Like, mm. I feel like breakfast is the one meal. It's kind of like a struggle to get him to eat. Cause mm. I think he's just one of those people who's not really hungry. Like when he wakes up right, right. away. So like, how old is he? He's two and a half. Got it. So it's like, like lately you're like, Theo, you want to come have some breakfast? And he's like eating. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> like mother, breakfast, like son. Yuck. Yeah. Well, yeah. what, um, what are his favorite things to eat? Um, I always joke that he sort of eats like a bear Okay, because he loves like meat and salmon and then he loves fruit and honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he really does sound like a bear. I know. <laughs> like he's happy to give him like a piece of salmon and then like blackberries. Like oh, it's okay. like, that's what he likes to eat. I feel like you should drop him in Alaska and see how kind he does. Of, right? yeah. Like he's like a Kodiak bear. Like, um, he loves that. He's so, he's really like a, he, he really does love, um, like pasta though too, yeah. you know. The one thing he really doesn't like is cheese. Interestingly oh. enough, he's like not into it. Sometimes he'll eat it on pizza if like everybody else is also eating pizza, but he's not like excited about it. Yeah, and he never wants to eat. Like I've tried to give him like string cheese or like mm -hmm. you know little pieces of cheese that's not. And he's has like he's like cheese. Yuck. That's not his thing. Yuck is a big word. Yeah, right yeah. Well, he's definitely yeah. Jewish. Yuck is yeah. a big one. Yeah, he really gets the like. Yeah, because that's yeah. Yeah. Yuck. 
then now in terms of your parenting as you go forward, I mean, because I'm hearing from different parents who come onto this podcast, like in terms of the strategies of like when you start sitting down to the table, if he refuses to eat a meal, will you say this is your only option? Will you make him something different? Like, have you thought about that yet? Or I mean, we're a little bit like flexible, mm-hmm. I think. I feel like he's still like in the high chair and he still eats like he still eats dinner at like 5.45. So right. we haven't really started doing like family dinner or anything like mm-hmm. that. And like, but we do eat like lunch together and stuff, right. you know, um, especially like on the weekends when we're all home. Cause he eats lunch at like a normal time, like before his nap. I think the question is more though, like when you, if like, let's say like you do decide to cook dinner one night and you make this whole elaborate thing. Oh, and then he won't eat and it. And he won't eat it. Like would he you, yeah. Funnily enough, I feel like we haven't had that problem too much cause he's such a good eater. Oh, great, great. You know, so yeah. like, I definitely, there's definitely things he likes more than other things, you know? I kind of don't usually give him, like, a whole other thing, Mm -hmm. like, if he doesn't like the thing. Like, if I'm, if if it's something that he doesn't like, like, whatever the main thing is, like, I'm like, okay, well, you can have, like, some carrots. Do you want some carrots? Do you want some apple slices? But it's not like, here's a separate entree. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right, he gets the Like, he can kind of, like, supplement a little bit. But I also tend to think that, like, if he doesn't eat, and this is maybe just him. I don't know if it's like children in general, but because he's sort of like a good eater. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, if he doesn't want to eat very much of that, then he's probably just not that hungry. Right. And I kind of don't believe in making kids eat if they're not hungry. Yeah, that's and, really smart. You know, I'm like, I want him to like know that like what his body is telling him is okay. And if he's telling him he doesn't want to eat his whole plate mm-hmm. or he just wants a few bites of this, that's fine. And then he'll eat a big breakfast in the morning or he eats a big, right. you know, big dinner or whatever. Well, Craig was always made to like finish his plate at dinner. Yeah. And it's like, as an adult, like he's had to unlearn that a little bit because mm. he has high cholesterol. Yeah. Um, and which I keep bringing up on this podcast. I don't know why I keep mentioning that. You're Craig, worried about him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> worried about him. But like, but like to, 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 and I guess what's fascinating is like these little things that don't seem like a big deal in parenting can come back. Like, just the, just the unconscious thing that Craig finishes his plate yeah. when he has a plate of food. It just suggests that these things just kind of stick with you over time. Yeah. I was not really like, we were not a clean plate club family. Oh, okay. So I feel like I've kind of carried that through, I guess. But yeah. it was, but I do feel like it's important to make him try stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay for him to have likes and dislikes, you know, like yeah. I'm like, it's, he doesn't like beets. Like that's fine. You get to have a thing you don't like. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, President Obama didn't like beets either. Yeah, so. You're allowed to have a couple things. President. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I feel like you're allowed to have a couple things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. So that's okay with me. But I do feel like, especially if it's something that's like nice or that I think he'll like, like yeah. sometimes I feel like kids reflexively, like it's unfamiliar. So they're just like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want him to be a person who like tries new things in all aspects of his life. So it's like, right. you have to try like two bites, you know? And what, what and do you think? It, he likes it after he has a couple bites. Do you think the yuck is, is a way of him also like exerting himself? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially at this age. You sure. Know? You think about like when you're, two, two and a half, it's like, you don't make any decisions. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a way to have control. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I remember like when I went to college, this is so gross to bring up in a food podcast, but I remember like taking a psychology class and learning about like anal personalities mm. and oral personalities, but yeah. that like with an anal personality, this is a, it's about basically about like feces and like controlling going to the bathroom as an infant. Like it's like the first thing you can kind of have some semblance of control over. Yes, yeah. And, and then oral is like attaching to the breast and like getting the comfort from. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, this is a psychology he podcast. He told me he will never poop on the potty. Oh. Yeah, he said he'll he'll pee on it. Because we're, yeah. we're just beginning to kind of get into some of that stuff. And I was yeah. like, do you think you might want to poop on the potty? And he goes, no, never. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Um, well, so it I'm It is cur- weird. Yeah. I mean, all aspects of it are weird, but it's like, 
like pooping in your pants is weird, but yeah, also yeah, like yeah. now sit on this chair and poop. It's like also right. like a weird concept. All of it's weird. Even as an adult, it's weird. When you really think about it. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. That's the most interesting thing about having a baby, I think, is that you realize when they're born, like they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what hungry is. You know, yeah. they don't know what sleeping is. They don't know that that feeling is hungry. And if they eat, it'll go away. They don't mm-hmm. like, they don't know that this is cold. And if you put it like it's, and they also have like no sense of time. Right. So it's like, I mean, you really get that. Like, especially, I feel like now he's starting to like, he's starting to have more of a sense of like, oh, this will be over, mm-hmm. you know, but like when they're so little, I mean, you think about it, as you get older, like a year starts to feel so much shorter because it's like a smaller percentage of your life. But when you're like three months old, like a day is like such a huge percentage of your life. I've heard that. And yeah. I think I've heard that about traveling, actually. When you go to a new city, like the day, a day will feel longer because you're taking in yeah, so much. Yeah, you're taking in so much more. Yeah. yeah it's just, so like, I feel like when you like take them to like the pediatrician or something like and they get like a shot the first uh-huh. couple of times and they just like go crazy. Cause yeah. it's like, Pug, Pug, this is my life now or whatever. Oh, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's terrible. What is happening like, to me? Those 10 seconds are just yeah. like, unbearable. I know. It, it makes you appreciate, well, I guess like as you get older, like how cauterized you get to like these things in life that, yeah. that seem so exciting and shocking and, you know. You no, know, it's kind of a relief. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's I, a little sad too that like the intensity of your life kind of ramps down. Yeah. But like. It also is, thank God. It makes it easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you, so if you're in the writer's room most of the time, like, how do you, because this is a tricky thing, I think, in the writer's room, which is like all the snacks, all the foods that are available. Like, how do you eat, like, how do you control what you eat in the writer's room? Or how do you go about well, it? Well, that's, I feel like that's the strategy I've developed is that I just kind of don't. And then I just don't ever eat at any other time. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, so you don't, wait, you don't eat at all? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really eat late. When I'm in the room, I find myself that I, I don't really eat breakfast. Okay. I just sort of, I'll have like a snack when I get there, you uh-huh. know. Like what's the snack? Like an apple? Yeah, or like a cliff bar or uh-huh. like, you know, just something small. If I'm really hungry. Sometimes I just wait till lunch, honestly, and I just have coffee or just whatever is around. Like um, popcorn is a good mm-hmm. snack. I like popcorn because it's like something to do and, you know, it's not like too bad. One of my most embarrassing moments in the writer's room was I ate popcorn and I got like a kernel caught in my throat and I had to go to urgent care and I got made fun of a lot for that. Um, again, people like, oh, do you want some popcorn, Adam? Chew. It's like very yeah. dangerous. I know. Um, wait, but so what do you have for lunch typically in the writer's room? Um, well, that's, you know, I feel like that's always like the salad. Yeah. I, but I, cause I'm like, that's so, sort of like sometimes my only real meal that day. I usually get something a little more substantial. Like I'll mm-hmm. get like soup and a sandwich or I'll get like, you know an entree kind of situation. Right. I really kind of let myself have whatever I want from wherever we order from. Cause, and cause then I don't really eat dinner either. Oh, wow. Rachel, this is, <laughs> this is fascinating. So, so do you, you don't get hungry? Sometimes if I'm hungry, then I eat. Okay. But a lot of times if I have a big lunch and then I also probably have like a snack in the afternoon, mm-hmm. by the time I get home at like 6.30 or something, I'm just not that hungry. Really? Yeah. And oh, then, that's like my biggest meal is dinner. Sometimes I have a drink, like I'll have a drink. And then if Ben, sometimes Ben cooks dinner and I'll eat a little bit of it if I'm hungry or if I have, if I have to go out to dinner with somebody, then I'll eat dinner. But like, um, I, I probably don't eat dinner more nights than I do eat dinner. So you're just like true grazer. Like you like to graze. I like, I like a lunch. Like, like I lunch. like I okay. like like a nice. I mean, today is like a little bit of an exception because I'm just kind of on the go. Yeah. But like in general, I'm I'm sort of French that way. Like I like to have like a nice big lunch, and then my other meals are like a little bit lighter. That's very healthy. 
Probably. That's the meal you're supposed to have, the biggest yeah. meal, because then you burn it off the rest yeah, of the day. Yeah, I guess it's sort of, I mean, it's <coughs> not like a conscious, I know, I know people do that like intermittent fasting yeah, thing. that's come up down here before. Yeah, and I have never thought about it that way, but I guess mm. it's just a little bit of what I do sort of naturally. Right. But it's, I'm not like strict about it. Like if there's yeah. something for dinner that I really want to eat or if I'm hungry or whatever, then I just eat it. But what about, so if you go to like, if it's a special occasion, if it's your anniversary, if it's a oh, birthday yeah. and you and you go out to a really nice meal, I mean, do you enjoy that? Yes, or? totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I like food. You like it, but, but is that... But that's not part of your normal life. Like you wouldn't like on a typical, I guess you have a kid now. Yeah. (laughs) But before you had a kid, like would you go out on a weekend to like nice restaurants and stuff? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, guess, I can't I, remember. <laughs> well, I mean, because we started by saying that food is wasn't that big a thing for you know, and so like, I guess I'm I wondering. I feel like food is a bigger thing for my husband than it is for me. Like okay. he he grew up in a really foodie family. Like his brother is a chef, and his uncle oh, wow. owns restaurants, and his dad is this sort of incredible amateur chef who like redesigned their entire house around the kitchen, and they have like a wood burning pizza oh, okay. oven. And so I think that like, um, and in my family, food was just it was a little more like um, eat to live rather than live to eat, right? Was there a philosophy behind that? Like, I almost feel like, I can't put words to it completely, but it almost like, like a hardworking, like Jewish immigrant. I don't know if your family, if you came from Jewish immigrants, but just sort of like. Oh, no, I came from the immigrant. I came from Jews that are native to America. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, Wait, they're immigrants. No, no, immigrants. <laughs> but like, it's just like, that, like, like, like work is what matters. It's like the work and it's I not about like so. pleasure. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think probably. I mean, I do feel like, like sort of Jewish immigrant families, like there is a lot of like food, eat, eat. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's always like a ton of food and uh-huh. these things. But that was more like my grandparents than my parents. Like, right. and I actually feel like my parents, their eating habits were in a lot of ways like um, in reaction to that. Mm. That like you know they they're very healthy. Like they're vegetarians. Right. Like, they're like we're, it's not like a groaning table of like gazillion things. It was sort of more like steamiest and like yeah. you know i think that's it was, so fascinating. It was a way of assimilating in a certain sense well i love when food becomes symbolic of the way people rebel against their parents i yeah. mean that's kind of fascinating but how did, did what was your reaction to your parents being vegetarians i mean i eat meat right but was that a big deal when you started eating meat it wasn't really because it was a little bit of a health thing like i just in college had like really bad anemia oh, okay. and so and the doctor was like you can take iron pills or you can just eat meat sometimes and it will help because like you actually absorb the doctor said, I mean, I don't know if this is really true or not, but at the time, the doctor said, um, you will absorb the iron better from mm-hmm. like animal protein than from iron pills because a lot of the iron pill, you don't really absorb a lot of like the vit- vitamin stuff. I remember that from Sophie's Choice. Yes. Because she is anemic or she. Well, that's the other part yeah. of the story, which is that um, I was a concentration camps right no, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> like no. the other part of the story is that the reason that i had really bad anemia is because i also ha- had an eating disorder okay got um, it. in college so like i and i actually think in a way eating meat was an easy as i started because i had i i was diagnosed with anorexia and it, and it didn't last that long and mm-hmm. i feel like i'm very recovered but um but it was a little bit of a thing that had to be kind of overcome and mm-hmm. dealt with and i still think about it sometimes and I think because, you know, in anorectic thought, you really like um, divide foods into good foods and bad foods. And mm-hmm. like, this is a bad food and this is a good food. And because meat was something I had never eaten, when I started to eat again, I didn't really have a value judgment ascribed to it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really good or bad. It was just kind of neutral. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to eat 
like a steak, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a brand new sensation and a brand new category than it was to eat like a plate of pasta where I'm like, this is bad. Right. You know? Right. It had a lot of meaning. It was like a way to sort of start eating again. So do you mind if I ask about like that period? Like, you know, because I mean, I've heard um, eating disorders like, for example, like bulimia being about like control or like other issues that come up for people. Oh, uh, yeah. But I mean, for you, was did it start in college or had it started before that? I mean, I think like a lot of girls, I have had, you know, like on and off sort of diety things sure. in high school, which is very common. But mm-hmm. I think when I went to college, it really kind of that was when it really like got a little out of control Mm -hmm. and I don't want to oversell it. Like I was not like, but like it was bad enough that like, you know, I was sort of checked into this outpatient program Mm -hmm. and like monitored and my, I was, my heart was like, um, arrhythmic and my Mm -hmm. periods had stopped and you know it was sort of like it wasn't like you're on the verge of death we're checking into the hospital but it was like this is something that needs to be addressed were you was there somebody in your life that had like kind of led you down the garden path that like was like where did you learn I guess how to be anorexic or was it something that you just did like I think it was just something that I did but I have read that there's like a genetic component to it and like not everybody that has like genes for eating disorders necessarily developed an eating disorder. It's like you can have a gene for alcoholism. It doesn't mean you're going to become an alcoholic, but like there's things that trigger it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the theory too, about like the sort of gene for anorexia is that it evolved because um, in like ancient times, like in times of deprivation, it's actually was kind of a strength to sort of get this like alert high from being hungry. So it was like, a right. Like you could like think and even if you were hungry, like it kind of energized you as opposed to like making you feel like weak and unable to function. Do you feel that way in the morning if you don't have breakfast? Sometimes still. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to like remember like, oh, I have to eat something. And I've heard of that from a lot of writers actually that we've had on here. Like who who don't eat a lot. And 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 like Mark Harris was on here Mm. and he really like he ate, he was somebody who ate like a bowl of Cheerios or like a bowl of cereal before coming on this because he normally wouldn't eat anything. Right. And, but I, I've never, I'm the total opposite. I could not imagine doing any work without having food in my system. I mean, I feel like it, I like to eat, eat when I'm working because it's like something to do that isn't writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know? That's funny. Like it need it like helps. Like I have, I my, um, Michelle who babysits Theo, like I remember once being home and, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, this is so hard. I can't write. Like, why can't I write? Why is writing so awful? And she was like, you don't have your gummy worms. (laughs) (laughs) Gummy worms, yeah. Well, there's like something, like a little thing to like grab and put in your, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me going, I I write a lot on coffee shops. I think I ran into you at Dinosaur Coffee once, but that's where I go all the time. But like, yeah, like the little treats there, like there's Mm -hmm. little, but I was going to ask you, I I thought it was very interesting when you said that like food had meaning for you, like this, like pasta was bad and steak had no meaning, but like, does that remain true for you now? No. So like you can just eat whatever and Yeah, I mean, this was like... I've, I've have been in recovery for almost 20 years. Like it, Mm -hmm. you know, it was sort of, it's a, it's a process. You have to like, you know, unlearn your habits and you have to kind of like, um, and it's, it's very difficult. I, I, you know, they say that eating disorders are this, because it is like an addiction in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And and it's one of, I think the hardest addictions to recover from because I mean, they're all very hard in their own ways, but food is not something you can just stop. Right. You know, like kind of, it's almost kind of like people that have like a spending addiction or something like that. You can't just like divorce yourself from using money. You have to figure out how to use it healthfully. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same with food. Like you can't just like 
stop eating the way you can stop doing drugs. Right. So like, um, you have to kind of like just really work out how you feel about it. And, and I, and, and, and I don't want to oversell that. Like, it's something that it's very hard for many people to, I'm very lucky. Honestly. Yeah. But I think it's really useful for people who maybe who are listening to like hear the story, you know, hear about like what you went through and then like sort of, so when you were able to overcome it, how did you reintegrate food into your life? It was gradual. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I never like stopped eating completely and mm-hmm. and honestly, most anorexics don't. And a lot of, I never cooked so much as when I was sort of in the throes of my eating disorder because you're obsessed with food. Right. You just don't want to eat it. But like, I would like bake things for other people, you mm-hmm. know, I would like, and oh, a, lot of, a lot of, um, anorexics do that. I mean, it's, it's funny to talk about it cause it's like, I remember, but I don't remember it that well. Yeah. Y- you know, it's like, it sort of happened to somebody else. Like, sure. like but, um, but I, I mean, it was slow. It was a gradual process. I, I do remember just things that shook up my routine helped. So like the fact that I had this whole category of food that I didn't have like a, like a preconceived idea about, I think was part of what helped me to recover. And did you enjoy eating meat or was it just sort of like, a- um, I kind of did. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I guess I did. I don't, really remember do you like meat now like do you enjoy like a steak or like yeah a- i still i don't like it's not my go-to right you know like i think i still just because of the way like for example when i was pregnant mm-hmm. in my first trimester like i could not have eaten a chicken breast mm-hmm. if you paid me like a thousand dollars because it was, it was so the gross. most disgusting like meat was so disgusting uh-huh. like, it was like like I, I less had cravings for specific things than I had just like this total revulsion for me. And the only things I wanted to eat were things I ate when I was a child. So it was things like grilled cheese sandwiches, mm-hmm. you know, like like spaghetti with like just plain tomato sauce and like nothing else on it and like salad. Like That's that was it. That was kind of all I could eat for like three months. And you think it was because those were the things that were comforting to you? Because you, I guess. I mean, it, some of it was just morning sickness, but it's, it was interesting, like the way it manifested that I'm like, this is so gross and this is right. not. This is bearable. Uh-huh. The only meat that I kind of could eat a little bit was bacon. And I think because it sort of just doesn't, it's like its own thing. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's just like, like, and, that, and bacon, I like wanted bacon. Like I would eat. Like, oh, really? Like, and also, but there was not just meat. It was also like cooked vegetables were very disgusting in uh-huh. the first trimester. And like, I remember I was shooting on the first season of Glow and I was just very early pregnant. I was like very first trimester. So I was really tired and I was really nauseous and like not everybody, like most people didn't know that I was pregnant either. So that <laughs> right. was kind of hard. Um, so I would like, you know, run to like the porta potties every three hours and throw up. And then I finally- Porta potties? They didn't have a bathroom? Well, I like, go on location. Oh, you know? okay. And like, um, I finally, I told the director of my episode, one of my episodes that I was pregnant. Cause I was like, you're just, you're gonna think I'm like an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what's she doing in there? She's pregnant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was like, at lunch, you know, it's like crew lunch and they have those like big steam trays of like steamed cauliflower and stuff. And I uh-huh. could like walking past those was like the most, dis- like I, it was so disgusting. I would right. like run straight to the bathroom. And, and when you're not pregnant, do you have sensitive reactions to food or is it, was no. it really only when it you were pregnant? It was really only when I was pregnant. It was just like certain smells and textures were just sort of like unbearable. It's a weird thing. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then honestly it kind of went away, like exactly, you know, they say like it goes away your second trimester. And really when I was about 14 weeks pregnant, it was like, it all went away. Really? Yeah. It was crazy. And then what did you eat? Just normal stuff. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any weird cravings? I feel like I definitely wanted to think like baked stuff more okay. than I like cookies and muffins and things like Not that. Not like that pickles I, and stuff? Um, yeah, pickles. I didn't really have, a, I, you know, the one 
craving I had was the one thing I couldn't get, which was for this like incredibly specific sandwich okay. that they used to serve at this place called Da Vinci's in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's not there anymore. <laughs> well, well, what was the sandwich? <laughs> I'll make it for it you. Just, it was just sort of like a grilled like, kind of panini sandwich, and it had like, um, like cheese and tapenade and like grilled vegetable, like vegetables, like a lot of vegetables, and they would serve it. And then they had, but it had this very specific like Italian dressing on it. Okay, that I really wanted, and it was something about the bread, like the way they toasted the bread, and I wanted that sandwich, and it was like unobtainable. It's funny, like when you've had like specific things from your past that you. Yeah. ate. I remember in college. There was this place called um, Cedar Tree in Emory Village because I went to Emory, mm. and it had they sold pizza. It was like basically like pita, pita bread, like oh, pizza, yeah. and they made like a chicken sandwich there, like on the fried pita. It was so good. That sounds really good. But I, I mean, it's like a very specific memory. Yes. Um, but I was going to ask you actually. You mentioned Omaha, Nebraska, and I was going to ask like, what is the food? Like, what kind of food did people eat there? Like, like it's very meat and potatoes, right? You know, like. Um, it's like a steak. Now, one thing in Omaha that's interesting is like a lot of the steakhouses are what they call Italian steakhouses. So like you get like a side of spaghetti with your steak. So you Mm. order like your giant prime rib or whatever. Okay. And then instead of coming with like a baked potato, it comes with like a side of spaghetti. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. Was that in the movie Nebraska? Like, did they go to a place like that? I can't remember. Maybe, probably. Okay. Was that a good movie to look that cap? Did did you feel the movie Nebraska captured Nebraska? A lot of it doesn't take place in Nebraska. Oh yeah. It's been a a very long time since I've seen it. I just remember it. other movies he's made do though oh right yeah but um you know like about schmidt felt like nebraska oh okay yeah that's a great one yeah wait i was gonna ask so growing up did your your parents were vegetarians did did they cook a lot at home my mom cooked my dad doesn't really cook but my mom would cook and she had some things she made that were like you know it's because my mom was a vegetarian she sort of had to like start from scratch with like family mm-hmm. recipes and stuff cuz my grandmother who um she died before I was born so I never got to eat her cooking but she apparently was an amazing cook and would make all these like she was from Lithuania she she make these like very like old world But she was from things. where? Lithuania. Oh, Lithuania. Okay. Um she would make these very sort of old world dishes, mm. you know, like some of which I think were probably very delicious and some of which sound like relatively disgusting. Like what? You, um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. I, don't, I couldn't name one Lithuanian dish if you Well, ask. they're like Jewish Lithuanian, you know? Oh, yeah, so yeah. it was things like, there was something, I can't even remember if I'm getting them all right, but yeah. my my um, my mother would say how like, she'd make like pacha, which is like jellied calves. Hoof. <laughs> like, and like, um, she would make these like, yeasted rolls that were like these incredible yeasted rolls, but she would put like some kind of gross thing in them. I can't remember. Like, but she would, but then of course she made like chopped liver and yeah. like that. So there's like a lot of schmaltz, like a lot of that kind what of thing. What about stuffed cabbage? I'm sure she made that. I feel like that's like the Jewish grandma dish I want to start making. Cause mm. I feel like I like the idea of it. It's like, I don't remember my grandmother making that. My, my other grandmother um, was born in America and her family was more sort of Polish. Like, so like, that stuff was more, she would cook more like brisket and simmons and like strudel and that kind of thing. So what was it like being Jewish in Omaha, Nebraska? I mean, I didn't know any different. <laughs> right. But were you like, was there a community? Like, were yeah. You, okay. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it's a small community and it, but it's not that small, you know, it's probably like, I don't know, like five or 6,000 people. Okay. So you um, knew all of them. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or if I didn't, then my parents did. My right. grandparents definitely did. And where, what, what brought them to Omaha? How did your family wind up there? Um, well, my father's family, I think, kind of went straight there. Okay. On my 
on his father's side. My grandmother's from Chicago. Okay. A lot of um, and I a lot of the Jews in Omaha have a lot of family in like like Chicago or Kansas City, and like what happened is like you know they'd start the business in Chicago, and then like one of the brothers would move a little further west to like start like a branch of the business. Do you know like, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. people sort of trickled in? So they just kind of found their yeah. way to Omaha, and then like once there were people there, then like more people came. You know, it's that that kind of thing. And do, do you love? Omaha? Like, do you have, I have love a lot for of it? affection for it? Okay. Do you go back often? I'm actually going back. I haven't been back for a long time, but I'm going back um, over the holidays for my dad's 70th birthday. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Are you so bringing we'll Theo? There. Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, that's exciting. Theo and we'll all be there. It's, they're having like a big party. So a lot of family and friends and stuff are coming from all over. It'll be fun. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Is, is Theo old enough now to get like Hanukkah gifts and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets, I mean, we get sort of, he just gets sort of, we don't really do Hanukkah or it's just sort of have some presents. <laughs> <laughs> right. I remember my mom would say to me, she would said like, you could have like eight crappy gifts or like one really good gift. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll take the good gift. Yeah. He has a lot of gifts waiting. I have to um, wrap them still. I feel like when I look back at the gifts I got for Hanukkah over the years, they're kind of iconic cultural moments because I got oh, like yeah. a Nintendo. Oh, yeah. got like a Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. And then I got, for a big one, I got an Apple 2GS, like yeah. when the Apple computer came, you know. We would usually get like one or two big ones, yeah. like a bike or something. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like a, whatever a good the one. Like bike thing, like what, the, whatever the bike-like thing you wanted that year was, yeah. you know, the big gift. And then the other nights you'd get like, a couple of books or like, yeah. you know, a sweater, like that kind of thing. So when you left Omaha, where did you go to college? NYU. Oh, you went to NYU yeah. undergrad. So what was that like to go from Omaha, Nebraska to New York City? Um, <coughs> it, it was hard. Yeah, that's a hard adjustment. <laughs> I mean, it was a hard adjustment. I, and in, in a way, it was an unexpected adjustment for me. I think I just sort of assumed it would be like, that's where I belonged. And it would be this really like simple, easy, you know, straightforward thing. But it was, it was, I mean, I think going to college far away from home is a hard adjustment. It's so funny because like when I first met you, you seemed like such a New York person to me. (laughs) And when you said you were from Omaha, Nebraska, I was like, wait, what? And I think that's so I am a New York person. I mean, (laughs) yeah, no, you are. I mean, you could. I was there for 15 years and I was there like, I spent more years that I remember in New York than I spent years that I really remember in Omaha, Mm -hmm. you know, because I moved, I had like just turned 18. So, so what was, how did you, like, what was the, um, how did you go from being overwhelmed to sort of figuring it all out? Like, what do you remember? Like when it started to click in for you, how long did it take? I think it was after the first like couple years of college. It took me a little while. I mean, I think you just, you find your people and you mm-hmm. get into the rhythm of it and you sort of start to be comfortable with the anonymity of New York, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and I just, I started to, I mean, I, but that is to say, I don't know that I would have had an easier time anywhere else. I think some of it was just like adjusting to like being away from home. Were you a big fish in a small pond in Omaha? Like were you, did you like, I think so. Were you like the president of your class? Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, really? I wasn't the president of my class, but right. I definitely was sort of like a person everyone knew who I was, yeah. you know? So then like coming to like Tish yes. and like being surrounded by, I think it was a little hard to get used to the fact like, Oh, everyone here is that. Yeah. You know, was Tish, was, did you go to the acting program? Yeah. Oh. It was the acting program. Do you still, is there any part of you that still wants to act? Sure. Yeah, well, you should. You to, <laughs> did you want to write a part for yourself in the babysitter's club? I I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I really want 
to I don't really enjoy acting on film. Mm-hmm. I would it would be fun to do like a play again. Right. You know. I mean Craig wants to act again. Yeah. So maybe the two of you can like maybe we can start a community theater. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, you and I, you and I talked, talked about that. Oh, yeah, no, we talked about doing a play reading group, which I still think we should do. I know we're bus- we busy people. I mean I you're you're show running. Fun. I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> 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 okay, but okay, so we now but we need we should to, do that. Yeah. The idea is that we were gonna get a group of friends and then read a play every month. Yeah. I kind of want to do that with Shakespeare. That doesn't sound as fun, but that I feel sounds like, less fun. I know, but I feel like I've, I'm never going to read all of Shakespeare's plays. But maybe that'd be a way to like get through them. We could do like I feel like we could mix it in with some other. Yeah, things I forgot the Shakespeare. Like a little more fun. What would be the play that you would bring for us to read first? No. Yeah, I feel like it would have to be Edward Albee. Albee would be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got we got to steer the ship back to food f- a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew we were going to come about food. <laughs> yeah, is there a play about food? Yes, there must be. What's like a, isn't there a play like where like they eat a whole meal on stage? Oh, like August Osage County has that big scene oh, in the yeah. middle. And then there's, um. Wasn't there, was just some play in New York. Was it like a Teresa Rebeck play or something? Oh yeah, about a chef. About a chef. And yeah. like they, he, it was Ralph Sparza, right? And he like had to learn how to cook for it. And there's on like stage, a working yeah. cook, maybe, um. And then we saw the one by Baz, not Baz Lerman, by <laughs> Jez Butterworth. Oh, Jez Butterworth. What was that yes. one called? That was like a huge play. It was like three parts. Not Jerusalem was the one after that about like an Irish family during the struggles and oh yes I don't remember. the ferryman oh the ferryman that was great yeah um, okay maybe but we so, should do the ferryman yeah, we'll be people we'll be here like for a whole year I think we've like lost half our audience at this point um, okay but Rachel so the idea here is that we think about your lunch in terms of trying to like kind of crack your psychology a little bit or try, try to get like insight into like who you are. So like now I'm trying to like piece the like puzzle together a little bit, but I'm still struggling. <laughs> <My> <laughs> <lunch> <laughs> that but like, but we've heard a lot about, you know, who, you know, your story, like your relationship to food, but like maybe it would be, I could lob it back at you. And like, what do you think like your relationship to food says about who you are? I think my favorite meals honestly are m- meals that you can, get and then eat while you're walking down the street in New York. Ah, okay. Tell me more about that. It's like a, nothing makes me happier than like eating a slice of pizza while I walk down the sidewalk. And then that, that makes me think that like you want, you want, you have a lot of purpose. Like you, you want, you don't want to waste time with a meal. You want to keep, be on the go. You want to keep moving. But I, but yeah, but then I also genuinely love like a long, like lunch in a restaurant with like friend, like a fun friend and like wine and like many all right, I need to bring in like a better expert than me. I'm, I'm failing as a lunch therapist here. Well, maybe you could help me by like explaining what you like about both of those things. Well, I love pizza. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I think I'm going to need electroshock therapy after this. Um, wait, but okay. So, but what do you like about eating pizza on the go? Why do you like doing that? I I just like. I like like folding it. I like like <laughs> I, I like walking with it. I just I don't know. It's like delicious. It comes straight out of the oven. But why is that better like, than sitting in the pizza place and eating the pizza? Why do you like to be walking with it? Well, I think I just get bored sitting there because I, okay. I think usually because I, I you know what I think it's because if I'm getting a slice of pizza, yeah, I'm not usually with anybody, right? And I don't think I love sitting there by myself, just like waiting to be finished eating. That makes a lot of sense. And so that's why, so you wouldn't want to go to- For me, I think like a fun meal is more about like the conversation with the person that I'm with than it is about like the food exactly. I mean, I love like, even though I love food and it's so fun to order like a zillion things and Mm -hmm. like to try everybody's, but it's social for me. 
That's interesting in the context of like everything we've talked about in terms of like being with Theo and eating his soggy toast. It's like yeah. when you're interacting, being in the writer's room and like getting a salad, yeah. like when you're interacting with others, then you will eat. But if you're just by yourself, it's not yeah. as much of a thing for you. I know. And it's like, I know there's people who are like, oh, it's so luxurious to like sit at the bar of a restaurant yeah. and like order. And so I like that, you know. Sometimes, but I then I'm like, I'm lonely. I want this to be over. <laughs> I only like that if I'm in another city and I don't know yes, anybody. Yeah, I did that a lot when we were shooting in Vancouver at Babysitter's Club. Um, and the days were, they were long, but they were over early because, you know, the girls are young. Oh, you have to stop at a certain you time. You have to stop at a certain yeah. time. So I had a lot of like dinners like that where I would like, you know, kind of be like, oh, maybe I'll go to like, you know, there was this place, Italian kitchen that was like right by the hotel where everybody stayed a lot of the time. And I'd be like, I'll go sit at the bar yeah. and have like ravioli at the bar and like a drink. And did you have your phone with you like the whole time? Like were you scrolling? Or like, yeah, or like a book. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't, I, I don't like, I would have been so much happier if someone came with me. Yeah. It's know? funny because Craig is in New York right now working on something. And the other night, like I had an appointment and it was like 630 or maybe it was like seven. And, and I was near all these cool restaurants. I was in the part of Silver Lake that has like same, same Thai and like ra- Silver Lake ramen. And it was right. just like near a bunch of stuff. And I had this instinct where I was like, well, I could go sit and like get a nice meal. But I just something stopped me. I was like, I don't want to sit by myself yeah, in Silver weird, Lake right? alone and like, eat ramen. I, I feel like I used to do that a lot more. And yeah. now I think... I just think being in a restaurant already is such a treat. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want like a, I want a friend. Have you brought Theo to a restaurant? Yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Theo goes to restaurants. It was easier when he was little. Cause he would just be excited to mm-hmm. like look around and sit in his high chair and he doesn't, you know, now he's sort of getting too big for the high chairs and he gets restless. So you have to have all these things to entertain him. So it's right. like, here's four trucks. Here's crayons. Here's <laughs> yeah. like, Here's the phone. <laughs> so do you, do you, what do you look for in a restaurant? Like in terms of the places you like to eat, do you like, would you prefer a place that had a great atmosphere, but the food's not so good? Or would you prefer great food? And like, you know, like what, what are the things that you think about when you think about the places you like to go? I like, well, because I will say that I think because I love to be like with people mm-hmm. at a restaurant, I tend to not love those places that like were very chic a while ago that are like so noisy. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of patience for that anymore. That like, the yeah, those like industrial, like, like you know, where there's like so much echo and it's like, why or what does it feel like we're at a club? Or even places where like there's a little bit of an attitude. Like um, yeah. we went to go see Gay Swan Lake. Have you seen that yet? No, not yet. Matthew, I mean, I've seen it before, but Matthew I haven't Bourne. seen it. And we were meeting Craig's aunt and uncle at Otium, which is this restaurant near the Amundsen Theater. Mm-hmm. And it's like a kind of a fancy restaurant. And we were all in our like Ubers and like we were just like running a little late. But like, you know, the reservation was say like six and we were going to and the grace period was six till 615. And we were going to get there at like 618. And the woman on the phone was like, sorry, you're out, outside the grace period. We're going to have to give your oh, table away. And I was like, give me a break. I, I mean, I get that. It's like, like, traf- like we're know. human beings. And then we got there and it was like half empty. Yeah. No, that's annoying. That drives me crazy. I think the neighbor, the restaurants that I like the most are like very, that I just personally like, I'm always the happiest at are kind of old school, like neighborhoody. Mm-hmm sort of places yeah. where the food is like is where the food is good but not necessarily like life changing. Uh-huh. It's not the focal point. <laughs> yeah, like I mean I I I'm very interested in like a sort of unusual meal for mm-hmm. sure, but like I like the camaraderie of it. I like to feel cozy. So I love like Blair's and Silver Lake. That's Craig's favorite restaurant. Yeah, that's a great restaurant. Yeah. I love to go to like La Scala and Beverly Hills. I've never been there. My friend Ryan goes there all the time. I mostly go there with Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. You know Ryan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was my first guest on Lunch Therapy. Oh, yeah. I still haven't had their famous salad. It's very good. The chopped salad. Is it very good? He's posted a picture of it and it didn't look that good to me. I mean, I think it just sort of is what it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I guess I guess they it's invented sort of like baby food. Is it? Yeah, it's like it's very like, chopped. It's like a baby food salad. Oh, okay. Like you barely have to chew it. Like you could just swallow it if you didn't have teeth. So it works for multiple generations. It works for multiple generations. Very old, but it's very young. Yeah. Yeah, and there has it has some texture. Um, but I think the reason that I like La Scala is because it's just it. It's like cozy, like you're mm-hmm. in like a booth. You can have like a drink that you could stay for a long time. What's with Jewish people and booths? Because my mom have, to have a booth. My mom all my whole childhood. There was like one mantra that I heard over and over again. Can we get a booth? We want a booth. We'll wait for a just, booth. I think. Um, do you just feel less exposed? Maybe because my uncle they're Jerry. Less, they're less likely to find you and arrest you and <laughs> <laughs> drag you into the street. <laughs> yeah, my uncle Jerry is Jewish and he's ninety-seven and lives in um ninety-seven. I don't know how old he is, but he lives in Santa Monica and we always go to this deli there and he always wants a booth. I don't have to have a booth, but I definitely it feels more private and cozy. Yeah, you know, I like, like you I like, like a booth. I feel like you don't have to watch yourself so much at a booth, and it feels special. It feels celebratory. It feels celebratory. And yeah, it feels like you can have like a. No one's listening to you. Mm-hmm. You have some know? privacy. Some privacy, yeah. Um, so what are the cuisines that you gravitate to? I mean, Italian. Italian um, and Lithu- Japanese. Not Lithuanian. No. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese, like sushi? Yeah, like sushi. But I love all Japanese food. I mean, I love like, um, I love like, a, you know, I love like soba. I love like. Shabu shabu, you know, like yeah. I like that kind of stuff. It's funny because um, Marquita Robinson, who you know, came yes. on this podcast and she had had shabu shabu for lunch and I had never had she it before. She used to live in Japan. I know. Yeah. yeah. She talked about that. And so she took me out for shop, my first shabu shabu recently and it was really fun. It's really fun. And now Craig and I are going to Japan, so I'll be prepared. You can have that. I like that kind of stuff. It's like I like Korean barbecue too because it's like a fun thing to do. Oh, now here's something I'm getting about your psychology and food mm. is you have a very active brain. And so, like, you wanting to walk down the street, you said you got bored sitting there. And so, like, so food that's interactive, like, lets you, like, use your brain. Yeah, that's possible. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Come on. Okay, we got somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I also love, like, um, dim sum and things like that. Okay. And do you have a favorite dim sum place in L.A.? Not really. I mean, I feel like um, I I did in New York, but I hear it's, like. I mean, I like we order in from Din Tai Fun at oh, yeah. work a lot. That's really delicious. good. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's really good. That's like a soup dumpling place. I love case. a soup dumpling. Yeah. Do they travel well? I mean, they're so good that like <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're not like as good as they could be. Yeah. Well, you know the <laughs> but secret. They're still better than most things because they they make them by like jellying soup. Soup. So yeah. then they wrap the dumpling around the jelly and then they steam and then it. it. Gets, like yeah, it get it melts. It melts, right? but I feel like in travel it might re it kind of reconstitute yeah. itself a little bit. Yeah, they're not quite as delicious as they could be when they travel, but they are still quite delicious. So and there's I, other things there. I love those like Singaporean rice cake things. That I've they, never had that. Oh, they're so good. It's like they're these little like I guess they're like noodles or like rice noodles but they're these like fat little like discs mm. and they're really like soft and yum. they're almost like gnocchi but like are they hard are they kind very of like chewy Asian, yeah very chewy they're kind of like an Asian gnocchi and, and they you know they cook them like the way you cook like lo mein or something with like shrimp and like soy sauce mm. and I have a fear of yummy. choking so like stuff like that kind of freaks me out I don't think you'll choke on a rice noodle. Like they're not. <laughs> they're not that You chewy. would be able to swallow it. Okay. Even if you swallowed one whole. I mean, cooked greens are a nightmare for me. Like very the like. Kale. Yeah. And, like yeah. really cooked and stringy. I have a problem with raw carrots and choking. I feel like oh, I'm fear always. Yeah. And like I told you about my popcorn shards. incident. I heard. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. I mean, Orville Rock. What's his name? Heroin. Orville Redenbacher's face is like a nightmare vision <laughs> for me. So I was going to ask you just so I get clarity in terms of cooking. So do you cook at all or you don't cook? 
a little. Um, I wouldn't say it's it's not something I do regularly, but I like you know I like scramble eggs for Theo. And okay, stuff. I mean it's not like that's like something. Um, I'll, sometimes I'll make I I can make some various like baked pasta situations uh-huh. like either like a sort of there's a kugel situation uh, i can do and wait, how do like you make your kugel a baked ziti situation uh, i can do so what are your what are your secret ingredients for your kugel? i prefer a slightly more savory kugel than a sweet one so um i i do like it's kind of like a pound cake <laughs> <laughs> but you said it was more savory well it but it's without so much sugar so it's like I use like a stick of butter, like a pound of egg noodles, a pound of cottage cheese, Uh a pound of sour cream. Oh my God. And like a little bit of like salt and pepper and a tiny bit of sugar, but not much because there's like, and then an egg. And no like maraschino cherries. No, I don't put any of that stuff in. My mom did that with pineapple rings when I was a kid. Yeah, no, we're Lithuanian. It's not sweet. Oh, (laughs) but the sour cream, a pound of sour cream. That's a lot. Is it a pound of sour cream? I can't. Maybe it's not a whole pound of sour cream. Well, I mean, if you said it was like a pound cake, and the rule of a pound cake is everything like everything's is a, a pound. Yeah. Like I can't, but then, um, and then you just sort of mix it all up and bake it. And I like to make get the noodles like crispy on top. Ooh. But I only make that really when someone dies, so it's like sort yeah. of a cursed dish. Okay, so and if I ever eat it, then somebody probably somebody will have has died. died. Okay. Yeah, um, and then I like to make like a I'll make like a baked ziti sometimes. Ah, and how do you make make your baked ziti? Um, I mean, I. I usually just find a recipe that looks good, but I, I don't know. I think I like assembling because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a confident enough cook to cook things that have a lot of components that need to kind of all be like put together, like at the same time. But right. like, I feel like these baked things are just, they're very forgiving. Yeah. So it's like, That's you, true. Just, you know, you like brown the meat, like, a, you know, and then you kind of cook the noodles and make the sauce and the sauce gets all mixed up with everything. So if it isn't perfect, that's sort of fine. And then like, I like to spread the layers. I find that soothing. <laughs> Put it in the oven. <laughs> well, it's interactive. It's, it's like, interactive. yeah. But, um, and also like noodles are comforting to you because you talked about when you were pregnant. As, yeah, yeah, noodles are, com- pasta is very comforting to me. Me too. It's so comforting yeah. to me. Um, For a while, I was, we had, we got Blue Apron at the house. Uh-huh. Like, um, it was before Theo was born and I was doing pretty well with it actually because it, the thing I think I find most stressful about cooking, which is why I don't do it very often, is I just have a hard time like making decisions about what to make, and mm-hmm. then I find like, oh, there's all these ingredients, so I right. have them, whatever. So the fact that it just like came and everything was sort of measured out already, like mm. took a lot of the part of cooking I find very stressful, sure. like out of it. So I actually sort of enjoyed it. Um, and then I, for the first time, I kind of was like, oh, maybe I kind of getting why people like cooking. Like it's fun to like have this like plan, and then you follow the plan. Yeah, and it's delicious at the end. Um, and I felt I found like their recipes really easy to follow because they were like pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? That makes sense. Um, I think for some people it's great. Yeah, but then um, then I got pregnant and just the smell of like cooking was yeah. so gross. <laughs> right, so you just <laughs> I, I was so tired. And so I does just Ben sort of do most of the cooking? Ben does most of the cooking. Oh, you said yeah. that earlier. Yeah, and he makes he likes Ben like likes to grill. You know, he sort of cooks like a so he'll like um, you know he makes like burgers and steaks and fish and stuff like that, and then we'll just have like a salad or whatever. And does one cooks. of you do the dishes? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, we just put everything in the dishwasher. It's not yeah. like a huge negotiation. <laughs> oh, for me, like I'm, I'm fanatical about like scrubbing the dishes clean before putting them in the oh, dishwasher. Yeah. I don't believe in the power of a dishwasher. Yeah, interesting. We actually don't have a very good dishwasher. I think we rinse them. Oh, you rinse. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the end of this podcast, and at the beginning, I asked you what you had for lunch. 
which I'm still not quite clear about, but you you haven't had your lunch I yet. I haven't had it yet. But it's a bagel that you have with you. And I'm looking at it right now. It's yeah, in a bag. Do you want to look at it? It's just got... Um, Where is it from? It's from Noah's because it's around the corner from my therapist's office. Oh, okay. So, I ate, so this is, I guess this is a very Jewish meal because yeah, yeah, I ate awesome. half of it while I was in the lobby at my therapist's office. That's like office. the perfect Jewish meal. Oh my God. <laughs> and then you brought it to more therapy. <laughs> to more therapy. Yeah, lunch therapy. I mean, this is as Jewish as it gets. But I was going to ask you though, um, it looks very good. You don't have to, I mean, you don't, I would I mean, just, um, oh. It, looks, it has, oh. no, it's got like a cucumber and a little tomato and red onion. I, le- I had them leave the capers off because I don't like capers. How come? I don't know. I just don't like them. Okay. Too salty. But I was going to say, um, we always start with what did you have for lunch, but we end with what are you having for dinner tonight? Oh, I don't know. Which you might not be having because you don't eat it. No, big... I'll probably eat dinner tonight because yeah. I'm not having a big lunch. I don't know yet. But what, what, if you had a guess, like, what, do you think it would be like something at home? Well, It'll be... definitely be something at home. So you're not going out clubbing tonight? No, I'm not going out <laughs> clubbing tonight. We'll probably like order takeout or something. I just don't know what. Oh, and what would you like it to be? I mean, you know, Indian food sounds kind of good. Oh, okay. I love Indian food. Um, do you have a favorite Indian place to order from in LA? Because we don't have one. Not really. There's a couple places that show up on Uber Eats that are like, okay, there's this place called like Anakali or something. It's uh-huh. like pretty good. But yeah, I don't have like a super go-to. I feel like, honestly, I'm missing a lot of like super go-to places in LA still, even after all this time. You ever order from Pine and Crane? Um, I don't, I know it's, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's so good. good, It's like one of our favorite places to order from. So when you order in, do you guys like curl up in front of the TV and just like eat out of the boxes? Like, yeah. 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 Okay. That's that's what I do. But we usually do it in separate rooms because honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I usually have to work and, Mm -hmm. um, also our house is so small that after Theo goes to bed, it's like, you can't make any noise. So it's like, we have to watch like television separately with headphones on. Oh. <laughs> so you guys bring your food into your little we, like, cave. We bring our food into our separate caves. And yeah. It's and very healthy. You watch separate shows. We watch. <laughs> <laughs> or are you watching the same shows. show in different rooms? I think we're usually watching separate shows. Okay. Or I like, you know, I'll like read or whatever. I actually think that's really good. Like, cause Craig is like fanatical about like what we're going to watch next. And like, there's a certain like sequence of, show- like, we kind of want to watch the same shows, but I don't necessarily want to watch the ones he wants to watch when he wants to watch them, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it's good for a couple to like have their own TV viewing habits. I think we have even like more that we don't watch a lot of the same shows, you know, Ben yeah. likes to watch like action movies and stuff like, and I like to watch like, um, I don't know the kinds of shows you'd think I'd like to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, this all started actually when you came through the door because you said you ran into our friend Kyle and yes. he had just, he was writing about cats. Yeah, it was very uh, exciting to see him in the midst of writing. But, of writing I mean, about but you cats. haven't seen Cats yet? I haven't seen Cats I'm yet. I'm seeing it tonight. I've watched the trailer about 150 times. Do you have any relationship to Cats? I'm not a huge Cats person. Okay, you didn't grow up like listening to it or? No, seeing... I mean, there were other musicals I listened to over and over and over again, but that wasn't one of them. That was my first musical. Really? So, the first uh, one you ever saw? Yeah, and then I was in it in second grade. I was Mr. Mistopheles. Oh. So, I mean, I do have a relationship you have to a Cats. relationship to Cats. But uh, what were the musicals you listened to over and over again? Uh, um, my Fair Lady. Uh-huh. Um, I listened to Sunday in the Park with George. As a little kid? Yeah, I loved it. I had the tape of of the, like, um, you know, production of Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters. Yeah. That that I, like, watched again and again and again. I listened to a little night music over and over again. Do you think you got, as a kid, like, you understood what Sunday in the Park with George was about? Yes and no. 
I feel like my relationship with it has deepened over sure. the years. <laughs> it's such a beautiful show. I brought so, Craig to see it. I think it's my favorite. The end of Act One. If you haven't seen Sunday in the Park with George, it's unbelievable. Treat that, yourself. Yeah. It's on DVD. I mean, you can, or you can like watch yeah. it online because it's yeah. um, it's a beautiful show. It is a beautiful show. It's all about making art and our legacy yeah. and our relationship to the future and the past. And it's like, and I think as a child, I picked up on it so, like and about the impossibility like you know the difficulty between like being an artist and being a person and mm-hmm. navigating that relationship and it's and interestingly touched me very deeply even ways I couldn't describe even as a little kid well I was thinking that um Dot who's a romantic interest at some point is choosing between George the artist and Louis the baker, baker. and it's sort of like that choice between art and food Louis it is and you've chose chosen art <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, I just haven't been a good enough baker. <laughs> no, if you were a better, if you were a better baker, things would be very France. different. Yeah. Well, this was fantastic. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had the best time. Two therapy sessions in me. one day. I know. I feel so at peace. Oh, good. Well, enjoy the rest of your bagel. Thank you. All right. <laughs>